peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast.
Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of Instinct 1987 with an impromptu. Did not plan on making this episode of Rumors of Instinct, the podcast. Still flying solo at the time of this recording. It is November 1st, um, an hour after midnight. And my intention was to stay up till the witching hour of Halloween and I'd do some meditations. And I am now downloading um, a lot of information from the Akashic Records very, very freely and it's very powerful. So I will be relaying this information as I see fit over as many, um, you know, hours as I need to. Maybe breaking up the shows in parts, but. Hopefully fulfilling the entire thing tonight from now to the witching hour to maybe when the sun rises. Watching the new day unfold after the new years of Samhain. This is how I recognize chronology. This is how I recognize my new years as Samhain. So this would basically be New Year's Eve for me. Um, I guess let's get in with it. Let's get into it. Let's, you know, get knee deep in it. Today I'm going to be talking about the download I'm receiving about the Akashic Records and my experience working with the Ashtar High Command, my experience in Solar Warden, um, a little bit more about my details, um, specifically relating to the Ashtar High Command, um, what I've discovered about their nature, what I theorize about their evolution, and what I am in going to suggest about their intentions and their ultimate goals. This is being downloaded to me as I channel it from my messengers. Raw. The one. Toth. The bird. And Hermes Trespagistus, the thrice great. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In the name of our Father, who art in heaven, creator of all these avatars, including myself, the creator of all this reality and the universe I exist in, which fits in the palms of his hand. All that which I know as being and existing fits into the palm of the hand of the almighty creator God, Jehovah. With his blessing, I knock on the door of knowledge. With his love, I am awarded and rewarded knowledge, the truth from the Akashic Records of my own experience as well as any other which I may seek, which I may need on my journey and in my battle for the salvation of the human soul and of my soul, returning it to God, pure, holy, and clean, as desired lawful now my introduction I guess should start with my history with the SSP I don't believe I've ever really spoken about this in great detail I don't think I've ever really spoken about this I think for anyone or 
even on any one of my previous episodes on the Rumors of War 1987 channel, uh, YouTube channel. Um, I really don't like talking about myself. I really don't like thinking about myself. Mainly because there's so much to think about, and there's so much to talk about, there's so much adventure to unravel that I don't think I even will understand it. My indoctrination and acculturation into the Sacred Space Program, my assimilation into it, my recruitment and enlistment began at the age of nine. I was drafted into the Secret Space Program after revoking the name of God and my belief in God because of terror caused by propaganda shown to me by SSP handlers via the Fox TV channel which instilled the fear of death into me at a very young age. It was my first concept of death, my first concept of war, my first concept of evil, but more so of defeat, the powerlessness of being a civilian in the nuclear age. This program was shown kind of like if it was funded by the 700 Club to vilify the evil, godless, communist Chinese, their acquiring of nuclear weapons, and an eventual World War III with America being destroyed and bringing about the events of the Book of Revelations. Upon witnessing this, my young nine-year-old mind, not my soul, which is eternal, and which has lived many, many incarnations, which has experienced war in almost every single one of its incarnations, in which they knew would strongly react to it, thus repeating the cyclical karmic loop that is known as the soul bond, as a soul contract, for another life cycle, which they would harness, utilize, and use. And react I did, with absolute post-traumatic stress disorder caused by living years and generations and lifetimes, millennia, in a karmic 3D carbon matrix of violence, of battle and of death and the horrors that are worse than death so at nine I declared my disbelief my atheism I'm resigning up to try to stop these monsters, to try to be the hero on Earth, which, as an intelligent child, knew must exist 
knew needed to exist, and knew I wanted to become. I knew that I wanted to exist as this avatar of defense, of nobility, of valor, of courage. But what I was signing into and listening into was giving them permission. And by them, I mean the handlers, the Freemasonic handlers of the SSP program, which would recruit a nine-year-old to give me the tests to take control of my life, to basically be give them the power of attorney over my decisions, um, you know, to give my life to them, put myself in their hands for the rewards that I would earn and for the chance to live as a special person. From that moment at nine years old, I was brought to other time dimensions in that moment of signing that contract where my body was cloned, which I also am a clone a byproduct of genetic engineering created by my labs in vitro fertilization and um, and even being uh, mass produced in a, in a simplistic way and brought to a population of heterogeneous Latin American and whites um, citizens implanted within them because the hazel eyes and the olive skin of the genetic uh, clones of an Atlantean human being, as well as the Asiatic features, um, the size, and the temperament would be best handled and hindered in a community such as mine, native one, the one that I um, would legitimately be able to live my life in without drawing any unfair attention or any attention at all. And at the same time, still be given access and uh, positions in life that were prime, ideal, and perfect for creating an SSP individual. So, the 20-year and back contract that I signed, that I'm aware of, was... Interesting. I want to focus specifically on the Ashtar High Command elements of it. But I feel like the spectrum was covered of all real numbers and the forms of iterations away from the central core person that I am as an individual and who I was at this nine-year-old state. So if that you follow this nine-year-old 20 years into the future to the point of being 29, that original baseline was ideal for them. But then they were able to uh, create variations on that baseline to a very minute degree 
to cover the entirety of a hypothetical spectrum of variance from that baseline. In this case, you I had many thousands of clones and the soul, my soul, was splintered into atomic little pieces. And each one of these clones was given an atom of my soul, like a seed inside them, and allowed to germinate. All of them share a subconscious. All of them share the electron superposition, uh, the quantum superposition, basically, that they are aware of each other, even though there may only be one per timeline. But... I am channeling that there are actually multiple versions of me serving on various colonies and installations kept unaware of each other for the most part. But for also uh, universally aware of each other and seeking each other out as all clones will do for each other well, all clones that share the same um, soul splinter will do like all soul shards will do upon death that the soul shards then accumulate once again back into the ether back into the unconscious the subconscious that is shared the gestalt subconscious these variations range from the engineer the scribe the journalist, the military man, and all his different versions, the pilot, the medic, the warrior, the artilleryman, the driver, the assassin, the cook. Many, many infinite amounts of variations from that original baseline. They all look the same. They all behave the same. But they each have specific and ultimately unique destinies. Technically unique. For the difference in the warriors is very slim. But the actual position, location, and fate of them, of course, is unique to each specific clone. In fact, I believe my DNA type, my experience type, was so ideal that I was able to qualify for experimental treatment, both physiologically in many of these cases as well as technologically in the version of AI implementation or implantation, the implementation of VR training, the um, execution of various protocols to allow me to be initiated into what I want to speak about for the most, the, the majority of this talk, this channeling session, if I may be so bold to my messengers, my avatars, 
is to provide me with the knowledge, the words, to express my time in the Ashtar High Command, my time as a recruit into the Ashtar High Command in the pursuit of diplomat diplomacy training in diplomatic relations, uh, improving diplomatic relations between the Solar Warden, the Ashtar High Command, as well as potentially serving as a, an experiment in psychological augmentation, um, specifically in psychic ESP um, development. Remote viewing, astral projection, precognition, empathy, even forms of telekinesis. Ultimately, though, I don't think it was anything physical or unique to my genetic pattern, but more so my ability to depersonalize that I was so young that I was at an ideal age for training as well as considered something of a desirable recruit because of the physical sympathy I would derive, I would, I would receive from the Ashtar High Command's Venusian um, teachers and majority, like the root race, that it wasn't so much, you know, who I was was special, but that I fit a lot of circumstantial requirements to uh, qualify for this program I wasn't alone there were quite there were many human beings there quite a few human beings there already recruited already graduating from their classes I being one of a series of generational studies generational trials not everyone was able to acquire these skills, not everyone was able to um, blend in with this Ashtar High Command uh, co-ed type education. Um, the process wasn't instantaneous. In fact, it would be the majority, if not the entirety, of many of these variations, these timeline um, agents, these unique timeline versions of myself, agencies of myself as well as the shared and uh, communicated subconscious soul. Now, the thing with the Asher High Command is that even though you exist in dilated time, so that these events are occurring at, like, triangular and parallel from the original timeline, um, as if though they exist to the side, they run parallel to it, and then you, when you return, it runs diagonally back to the receiving ori origin point and then back to the original timeline, um, injecting you back into the singular timeline, the main timeline, like uh, as if though you were injected from a syringe. Now, while existing in these parallel timelines, um, the entirety of your existence 
once you are recruited into this Ashtar High Command program, is run by Venusians. And the Venusians, which make up the root race, the dominant race of the Ashtar High Command, what we know as Pleiadians, what we know as um, Ashtar himself, um, these, these very tall, you know, native, bright, moon-colored-eyed, um, you know, bejeweled, elfin, um, lithe, like, superhumans, they can manipulate and mess with not only your perceptions of time, but also time itself. So that this experience actually feels as if it's 200 years in some instances of experiencing it. While other times it might feel like 20 days instead of 20 years. The Ashtar and the Venusians completely are responsible for you at this point and I cannot stress that enough that as a member of the SSP you are completely dependent on the SSP's favor and your masters in these forms of factions and as someone who had a lot of experience and in intelligence and a lot of experience in the understanding of um you know, Sigma-6 type methodologies where you try to look at the actual vertical and horizontal trees of your interactions. Um, you know, because I was in this SSP uh, Aviation Warfare Specialist uh, baseline where each version is a specialist in the aviation warfare aspects of at the SSP regardless of the different and various aspects, destinies, and circumstances that these other clone incarnations find themselves in, we all are aviation warfare specialists due to our baseline pre-existing condition of a heart. Even the ones that are furthest from it still are that because ultimately our baseline is that not exactly sometimes you can barely even realize it or see it and they'll never bring it up because it's just a passing passing thought in their lives but it's still the one true thought of their lives because remember these aren't kind of inc these incarnations may not be any less real than myself but they only exist because of the original baseline which was gathered up at the age of nine now The Venusians are not wicked or cruel. They are, however, running an experiment. That experiment is to ascend human consciousness to the level of the Venusians, which have had millions of years of psychic evolution compared to our history, which we are extremely new as a species, being a hybrid created by several other factions. That's not important. Point is, they are trying to teach gorillas calculus, basically. This is how you can compare the Ashtar High Command's Venusian root race teaching 
humanity psychic abilities like precognition, like telekinesis, like um, ESP, you know, remote viewing astral projection, is that they have this, this not only understood, but this being utilized to run their societies foundations like their economy their construction their every aspect of their lives in a major scale uses psychic abilities uses esp uses precognition uses this just to show you that multidimensional beings higher dimensional beings run on mental and spiritual realms and powers whereas lower dimensional beings run on physical powers uh, such as physical strength, our uh, size, our presence, our like toxicity, you know, things like that, like things that affect the 3D material carbon worlds. Um, the highest beings, of course, are intangible. They have no physical form. They're incorporeal. and But spiritually, they are much more of a dominant force than anything found on the physical world. Um to put it like in a kind of a perspective, ghosts don't feel the wind, and the wind is not a concern for is not concerned of the ghost. It's exactly like, it's a physical force versus a spiritual force, and the spiritual force is completely unaffected and uninvolved with the physical operations or forces of the earth. So that if you were alive, you would be much more aware of the wind than you are of a spirit's presence. But if you remove the wind, you may be immediately aware of the spirit's presence. Whereas the spirit's presence would always be immediately aware of your presence, but never really be able to do anything, like to actually physically uh, interact with it or affect it. You know, but is ultimately a type of immortal compared to your physical mortal life existence like um, being a higher dimensional being they may not be able to interact with you uh, on a physical level but they will be able to say for example out exist you completely and gain more knowledge and wisdom than you and and understand the future more accurately than you could ever comprehend the same way with Mankind may not be able, not be as strong as a gorilla, but we are able to understand sign language and how to build zoos and how to uh, organize, you know, um, urban construction projects and build dam hydroelectric dams and, you know, space planes and um, mass-produced boots and shoes because we understand calculus and we understand these higher-level, like, algorithmic uh, realities and how to accurately predict and model like costs in our economy and you know resource management things like that, as well as uh, perpetuate and motivate societies to to participate in these events. Some these these elements the gorilla could never possibly um, fully understand because their life is lesser of a density. It's less. It's more react three D. It's more like almost purely 3D. Um, not to kind of slam gorillas at all as a spiritual being. Um, but you understand what I'm saying is that they don't understand or have a use for electricity, let alone 
the need to um, understand the math behind electricity, which so they can understand it on a theoretical level and experiment with, um, you know, algebraic uh, formulas, you know, to to try to predict, you know, accurately construction models for electrical apparatuses. You know, if they don't have electrical engineering, it's not really a uh, issue if they're bad electrical engineers. They just don't have electricity. They have no infrastructure. They have no need for it. Um, it's not relevant to their survival. It's not relevant to a 3D being survival to even understand it has a soul. To be honest, I mean, jellyfish are 3D. We are from the 3D. We are naturally on the 4 and 5D. We can even be as high as the 6, 7, and 8th D. Um, 9, 10, 11 D on like the brilliant illuminated end of the spectrum. But, but really, we are born in 3D. We are born in the 3D, and we have to progress out of the 3D into higher real, realities and densities um, through effort and earn this um, ascension. Now, um, same way that knowledge is not just... You're not born inherently with a knowledge of calculus. You're not born inherently with a knowledge of higher-level mathematics like aerodynamics or you know, aeronautic engineering or anything like that, you are born with the ability to maneuver and navigate and, and you know, survive in your density, in your, in your natural domain, which is the 3D. So you're born as a physical body. You're born as a physical person. You attain the intellect later. Same thing with the Astro High Command. When you're inducted into these programs, when you're initiated into these shining star programs, because um, that's what they're called, they're called the shining star programs, because you are the little shining star. It's like basically a little children's school, like an elementary school or a middle school. Originally, when these children are inducted, you know, when they're uh, either prepubescent or just into that stage of uh, being tweens, being early teens. You know, 11, 12, 13. Uh, I think 14 was probably the oldest when you first get to these programs. That they're just there to, uh, you know, acclimate you. Uh, you know, get you accustomed to their environment, into their world, into their unique um, responsibilities and of their agenda. You know, and it seems strange, but the first year or two of this uh, program is just being introduced to various things inside the education setting, like uh, the, the classroom, as you were. Um, we didn't really have classrooms. We were taught in these gardens. Um, basically, the speaker would come out into this kind of um, sitting circle and it would usually be around fountains and it was very musical generally when the Venusians speak they either speak in poetics or they speak in song and so it would be like listening to small concerts but the concerts would be relevant lessons to say for example Venusian history or the history of Ashtar the supreme commander himself are the history of the discovery of Earth and humanity by the Ashtar High Command, the first colonies, maybe even the Reptilian Wars, 
um, things like that, like breaking down their language. Like one song would be about why they sing songs. Um, one song would be about how, why they like write the letters that they write, like the symbols, like the kanji that they write. Um, another would be why they eat things they eat, you know, like why would the food is, and this is very simply put meant to indoctrinate and educate nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds into accepting the Astra high command as human. Even though when you start to really look into it, they are very, very far from human psychologically, intellectually, spiritually, and even consciously. They may physically have a root race, the Venusians, which are very similar to humanity. So similar that they claim that they created humanity, that they are actually the ones that genetically engineered humanity. Um, I do not believe this. But we'll progress. The things you start realizing quickly are that humans typically bond with each other very strongly in unfamiliar environments. At the same time, you also realize that human nature is absolutely abhorrent. And like I said, a 3D creature is born to survive in the 3D realm. And in this higher dimensional reality, a, rea a utopia where you don't have to struggle for food, you don't have to struggle for um, entertainment or um, anything dopamine producing. You don't have to struggle for communication because <clears throat> everyone is, like, all your teachers and stuff are much more adept at empathy and psychic communication than you are and they know exactly what you're going to ask before you ask it because... You're honestly a 10-year-old human child. This is a 400-year-old uh, Venusian uh, low priest, basically, in their temple. Doing this as kind of like missionary work, as kind of like a community service. Um, at the same time, it's like a military project for them as well. So this is kind of like a, a militarized spirituality, a militarized temple aspect to it. But but much more plain clothes, much more like if you go to a military college, you can see the same environment where the students will be dressed in their parade uniforms and in their um, and their best with regalia with like their uniforms, having the medals on them, you know, shoes polished, hair freshly cut, things like that um, with, with very conscious uh very self-conscious uh, behaviors and kind of posturing, whereas the teachers, the faculty, will have a very nonchalant, blasé appearance with these meetings because this is probably, you know, one of the more consecutive years of their career, and the pomp and circumstance of the military, I'm trying to say, is much more an aspect embraced by the students, the human students, more so the Venetian uh, teaching staff, even though it is acknowledged and encouraged to, as human nature, to kind of need to, um, you know, address 
one's superiors as such. Whereas that's kind of behavior that the Venusians, they have variations of that inside their society. But in the context that they're in, it's like a school teacher. You know, like the, the, the students are encouraged to use yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, because they understand that it helps their discipline and their uh, orientation. But at the same time, the teacher does not really honestly, you know, need to be called yet ma'am or sir, sir. They could just speak to them as equals because at this point, the difference of power, the gulf of power is extreme. Like, you know, like, it's, it's, it's as extreme between a Venusian and a human uh, student as it is between, like, you know, uh, someone who knows a language and someone who doesn't know that language. And as as they try to teach that person that language, their knowledge is never in doubt. Their knowledge is not going to be lost in the, ex- in the transfer of this information, the education of another. And everything that is said is a, you know, needs to be learned by that student, needs to be understood by that student. Because... You know, it's extremely, like you said, like everything, every lesson that they give, the student has to master and learn before they can learn anything else or any, uh, have any chance of really learning, you know, what they're there to learn. Humans have to participate psychically. Humans have to participate uh, in these programs with 100% of their effort and energy and focus and concentration or else they simply are removed and sent back and it's much more damaging for individuals that that they experience that even though everyone's given an amnesiac no one remembers this experience um everyone is basically filtered back into real life anyway with a 20 year and back but during their time when they have to experience this when they have to deal with the responsibility failure out of these programs is considered an amazingly large uh black mark on one's record a a basically a huge uh uh shame to to have to kind of like fess up to and be responsible for if you were kicked out of these ashtar high program um psychic programs um due to how badly the ssp handlers the ssp masters react to failure they react to this as if though their entire species like the reputation is on the line and that everyone kind of shoulders their entire species when they go into these programs. Whereas the Venusian high commanders are just like, we're trying to teach you how to do basic spiritual practices just to see if it's feasible. Like, you know, like no, if, yes, we're trying to teach the guerrilla calculus, but we don't really, as scientists, care if the guerrilla can or cannot learn calculus. We just kind of want to receive the results. Some gorillas can do calculus. That's really impressive. But we want to see more data on this subject matter. You know, we haven't even made up our conclusions yet on whether or not we're going to, like, teach all the gorillas calculus or even teach any of them calculus. Like, like, like we may just decide you guys don't need calculus and never, ever give you access to it again. Human beings want that psychic power. Human beings need that psychic power to be independent in the 
cosmic war to stand up on our own legs, which we still are not. We are deeply, deeply allied to the Hashtag Alliance, specifically for their protection in these higher technological matters, as well as given their spiritual prowess, prowess and power. Now, uh, basically, they protect us with a psychic shield, which keeps our signature at bay or hidden from the Orion Draco Empire at large, as well as giving us the technology access to the greys and um, psychological healing and like insight from their temple classes and worlds. Um, basically, though, what I'm trying to get at is we were. As in this young age, um, more occupied with our each other, our own pecking orders, our own egos, as well as not truly understanding or appreciating the amazing power that we were in the presence of. The environments were incredible. They were, for example, like you sit on this in this little room that seemingly is either, th- either through VR uh, being projected on the walls or in fact is this big on one of their floating cities their their world ships um, that basically is so large you cannot see the walls you cannot see any seams any rivets, any support like glass uh, you know, lattices or anything it's just it appears to be like a sky, but you can see planets um, up close, so you know you're traveling in space. You can see different star formations, formations that I have never seen before or since. You can see diff- the moving of ships sometimes. Um, the only reason I really even know about the Astra High Command world ships, the, the city ships that they fly... It's because I saw a very clear view of a city ship that was passing right above us. And they were operating in such a way that they have these clear domes. These psychic domes which keep all their atmosphere. And these things are massive. They're the size of, uh, I would say, Houston. You know, like I would say they're the actual size of the width and area of Houston. Um much larger than my hometown, much larger than the my home city. Um, with about as many people, with about as three million beings living on there too. So you can basically see like the grid work of a major metrop- metropolitan area under these domes that are held uh, in place through the psychic powers and energy and all their breathing atmosphere and, you know, environment, weather, ecosystem is kept there. Um, the cities are made of jewels and they shine and glint in the sun and they convert, uh, available solar radiation into, uh, fission and, um, doing so they basically glow like little lighthouses and one, I guess they were doing just a flyby, maybe, you know, definitely not for us. We were so insignificant being just the human foreign exchange students, but we were able to see from a bird's eye view as it were the city fly directly above us in our dome, because remember there is no up, or it's, it's space, so there's really, like, you know, if you have artificial gravity um, you know, your feet are going to stick on the ground anyway but these big rooms had grass they had garden plants, they had um, excellent g- landscaping uh, to the point that it was like a very, very beautiful Rococo type garden 
with with places it was obviously now thinking back on it now remembering it like a human playground like a like a garden of eden created specifically for people to feel at ease we were able to run and enjoy this entire landscape we were able to sleep outside because the weather was so climate controlled and mild um the area was so big that for the first couple of months we didn't even know that there was an adjacent beach and access to uh, water it was a freshwater lake but it it was so large that it had a beach and this was in I guess you would call it if anything the back of the wilderness area so that there was a tree line Um, the only building you could consider a building was more of like that open that open air uh, coliseum type building where when you sat on it it had sat in the middle it had pillars that you could basically they they were very tall upwards of 20 to 30 feet tall pillars that held this very ancient Greek uh, roof on this it looked like basically that the 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 fucking word it's Greek it's an ancient building it's not the Colosseum it's the uh, Pantheon it's uh, maybe the Temple of Zeus if you if you ever get a chance to look up that kind of archa- uh, architecture these, these columns that held this triangular roof but you know um you can see the night sky from inside this building by looking outside of it. Um, you know, it's very open air. That's the only structure. Now, there's uh, a wilderness area, and behind, uh, you know, once you go through the thicket, it has access to this waterway. Now, like I said, I don't know if this was because of VR projection and that, like, the Truman Show, we were just in a finite area, and this was the end, and the illusion was that it was a waterway so that we would keep out of it. But we walked into this waterway and walked as far as we could into this fucking waterway at one point, being very young kids and adventurous and living in a group mindset, you know, the only humans on the ship that we that we know about, the 30 children that are there, and um, given basically free reign in a garden where we are in no real danger and there's things like strawberries growing wild, you know, and you can just, it's, it's a sweetwater lake, it's a freshwater lake. And, you know, like we were never really ever in any hardship, so we had no real fear or caution, so we walked into this lake and we walked as far as we could, several, several miles, and the water was never deeper than knee deep and it was warm and it was just that white sands so that the only real disturbance were, were, were our wakes was our footsteps kicking up the dust and the silt this was our environment that we were kept in as we were taught and learned Educated in the psychic um, arts and the arts of the Ashtar High Command. Um, coming up to an hour, and I'll be putting this on pause. We resume 
after a musical break, as well as maybe a commercial break, depending on the platform that you're listening to this, please ask for your patience. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you listened this far, please consider liking, subscribing, um, commenting below. That's how you become a member of my fan club. And um, basically, no, tell me that you're supporting me. Tell me that you're listening to this message just by doing those things. Um, so thank you all very much. Continuing after this break. My experiences with the Ashtar High Command. Thank you for your patience. I'm back again. Everyone out there in dreamland. I hope you guys are ready to hear the second part of my, as you call it, channeling remembrance. My recovering of memories involving the Ashtar High Command and their their student exchange program with the human elements of the SSP, Solar Warden, ICC, ultimately, umbrella term, the Earth Alliance. Now, as I channel it from my messengers of Ra, the One, Toth, the Bird, and Hermes, the Thrice Great Chesmagistus, to allow me to recover my own memories from the Akashic Records. For I only ask for my own. The Ashtar High Command is made up of many races. It is a federation of light. It's known as the Galactic Federation of Light. I know it as the Ashtar High Command. Ultimately, the best way to understand the Astro High Command is to understand its races and who makes up the domination, who dominates the, the, the organization of these races, who controls them by psychic means. The Venusians. The Venusians call themselves many names. including Atlantis, Atlanteans, which is where they gave the name for their colony, which would become Atlantis on Earth. But they are not to be confused with the Earth Atlanteans, which were human worshippers of them. They are best understood as Venusians, despite their many names. They also call themselves Pleiadians, even though they are not from the Pleiades star system, even though they lie and say they are and are subject to an Earth-based misinformation campaign created by Earth Alliance agents who are trying to seek to keep the SSP secret by providing truth and mistruth or untruth in the same present material so that the Ashtar Venusians will appear in authentic Ashtar ships with authentic Ashtar High Command uniforms and speak in the authentic Ashtar High Command's 
tongue, their, their, their dominant lingua franca, to Billy Meyer in Sweden would present an entirely false message because there is no way, no easier way to convince someone of a lie than by telling them the truth as you lie to them. The truth makes a lie believable. And the Astar High Command made contact with the United States military officially on terms of diplomacy in the 50s with Eisenhower during the Grieta Treaty. Here we heard and saw and spoke to and dealt with and uh, held the first ambassador from Venus, the mighty Thor, and military-industrial elite circles, installations, and operation theaters, such as Area 51 and the Dugway Proving Ground. He was human because they had created from their genetic sampling of humans a clone body for the spirit and psychological um, conscious like consciousness of the original Valiant Thor which was still alive but kept in stasis on the orbiting capital ship which orbits on the dark side of the moon they were able to instigate, you know, peaceful negotiations for technology, but made it very clear that there was nothing that humans had, or earthlings had, that they had not already mastered. That, in fact, the only, the only possible chance for their survival, or our survival as earth, as earthlings, as human beings, was to fully submit to the Astra High Command and become its suzerain, to become its liege, to basically be a protectorate, a protected colony of the Astra High Command, and to give it tithes of both manpower, labor, time, and energy, as well as accepting a share of danger for doing so. And to help create this point, they helped. They they helped. They gave us the history of the cosmic war that we were now in after our invention of the atomic bomb, our discovery of downed alien aircraft, which would cause the crisis acting um, false flag that was World War Two then we would also um, engage in preliminary assaults on deep underground military installations um, created by the old Tartarian hegemony, as well as the Orion Draco sympathizers, and discover the 
full implications or the full extent of the Aztec Maya or the Mayan Aztec breakaway civilization due to um access to the Arctic and Antarctic made possible with nuclear ships such as nuclear ice nuclear powered icebreakers nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, and nuclear-powered submarines. This was all around the late 40s, early 50s. After we had discovered this, we were now on the cosmic radar, the cosmic neighborhood radar, and the Astra High Command was the first on the scene. They presented to us gray aliens. The Valiant Thor had a number of gray, bio-engineered clones who were actually free allies to the Astra High Command, greys that had allied there and given their services, contracted their services out to the Astra High Command, um, as is part of their uh, relationships with a lot of the intelligent races in the known cosmos is that they kind of act as a clientele to them. They work very closely because they choose to and they are also created, fabricated biological entities that have no other choice. Now, they intermingle, which I think is the more confusing aspect of it. But at the same time, they themselves understand that more than any other the... I guess you would call it absurdity of keeping identities when you are yourself a race of clones and a race of biologically engineered um, creatures that are more plant than animal, but need, but, but a hybrid of the two because they have chloroform for, vein, for uh, blood. They have rectangular cell structures, much like plants. Um, their gray skin is due to their lack of a liver, their lack of production of vitamin D. Um, then basically their black irises are due to their inability to form a mammalian eye or even a reptilian eye. I think it's a coevolution of the, of an eye organ, um, much the same way that early creatures would have simple eyes. I think it's, um, something to look really, really far into is, is their inability to create an eye or their very unique, completely black eye. Um, it's not, it's not earth evolution. Obviously this is a biologically created organism specifically to see in, um, highly radioactive environments such as deep space, such as, um, dark side of the moon type conditions, subterranean conditions, etc. Basically a hostile environment type entity. Um, and, and being so, it has a very ghastly appearance. Um, it's very shocking to see a gray in person for the first time. Um, very much a existential moment as well. Especially in the early 50s, if you put yourself, say for example, in President Eisenhower's shoes, and his military cabinet and uh, executive branch cabinet, when you see your grave for the first time 
everything you know about your reality is turned on its head and shifted and basically you're now confronted with the dread and and surge of panic that is to see a completely alien organism a um you know extraterrestrial biological entity in EBE now I remember Valiant Thor was a human clone even though he is in fact a much more existentially frightening instance of this cosmic neighborhood which is he is a human clone with an alien consciousness piloting it <laughs> you know the, the, so basically we immediately agreed to join the Ashtar High Command uh, creating the Griotta Treaty with the simplest and most rudimentary request being to not disclose this information, you know, to not, uh, to, to keep it secret, to keep it a secret for as long as possible, while the internal society of the Earth, you know, the, the what would become known as the Earth Alliance, you say all that stuff would be prepared, all the logistics could be created, all the facilities could be constructed, all the technology could be sorted out, all the, you know, nuts and bolts of the secret space program could be created before uh, the majority of the world were made aware of the uh, existence of such a program, right? It, they, this was just absolutely part of the request that was made and explains why the existence of UFOs, aliens, the secret space program especially, has remained relatively top secret despite an overwhelming amount of whistleblowers, evidence, you know, insider, uh, witness testimonies, affidavits, you know, video surveillance cameras. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why we are speaking here about this now. It's because this information is freely available. And like I am doing now, you can channel your own personal experiences into this, into gathering, you know, what's going on. As long as it relates to you through knocking on the door of wisdom, through your power of manifestations. But that's also what was taught to me by the Ashtar High Command. I am realizing now was the ability to attune to astral guides. They themselves, probably just dead Ashtar Venusians from millennia ago that had attained an extremely powerful spiritual beacon in the still derive existence via their interactions with lower density beings as they are trying to seek um, as they are trying to keep their corporal persona together and I will get to that at the very end of it, but why the Ashtar, what happens to the Ashtar consciousness, what the Ashtar life cycle really is, and why they're so spiritually and psychically advanced, is because they, as they age and gain psychic power and psychic wisdom and psychic uh, experience, become less physical and more spiritual to the point that they literally become ghosts. They don't physically die from 
age, but they become immortal spirits, basically, that exist in a shared force that is like Wi-Fi. It's like a wireless energy. It's like a radio wave. It, they become part of a signal, a beacon, that it, depending on where exactly they they passed into this state of being into, could be located on a ship, could be located as part of the ship, could be located as part of a planet, could be located as part of a, the space sector, the space, you know, like, uh, that they were, that they passed in, they could follow a certain object, be linked to that object, um, such as, um, a particular ship or a particular, like, uh, person, like a particular jewel, um, or possession, um, such as a weapon, or they could be collected into, um, a multi-spirit, a spirit that has multiple originating individuals creating one gestalt spirit uh, due to ritualistic bonding and pairing and passing together and that process takes years as a decision that is made well before natural transgression into the spiritual realm of existence over the material realm of existence but of course the spiritual passing is not instant it's not they lay down and then they're they're ghosts. Um, It's something that first to fade is their physical strength. Then the next to fade is their physical uh, density. Then next to fade is their physical tangibility. And the last to fade is their physical visibility. But they are intangible for what humans would consider years, an experiential amount of time that we would know as years, five years approximately, that they exist but cannot interact with anything physical in the world except be seen and must rely on the support of those around them. Like, basically, it's to the point that you are in limbo. You cannot interact with the world that you have helped create but are now leaving but you cannot be, you know, you have to just basically observe and try not to be too seen, even though you are now actively disengaging from reality. Um, this is kind of a ceremonial point in their life of great mourning. Now, I really want to make a point out, though, that as this happens, they can form gestalt realities, consciousnesses that they can share. Now, when they share these realities, they become new personas, new identities, these hybrid identities. For example, if you have an X and a Y Venusian who have developed a bonding pair and decided to pass together, they are no longer individual X and Y they are now this new creature, this new hybrid named XY. Well, obviously the spiritual creature, the spiritual hybrid XY. With personality traits not 
just a combination, an even combination between the two. It's not two completely just added together. It's not the sum of them. It's not even the average of them. It's an entirely new and unique consciousness. Which is to say that the old consciousnesses were extinguished in the pursuits of creating this marriage of two Ashtar Venusian souls. This is what I was saying about the extension of their life cycle. Is that while we may view our own soul in fact as outliving our biological necessity for pair bonding, for um, marriage or our family loyalty or, or even our own needs to physically survive being released from our physical bodies but able to exist permanently in a state of oneness with ourselves then we would not be able to understand the idea of our spirituality our afterlife being part of our natural life cycle to the point that we could still breed and create new humans in our incorporeal spirit forms at the sacrifice of our spiritual existence like this brings me to the point of Ashtar and what Ashtar truly is the planet Venus has a very caustic and hostile atmosphere it basically rains acid rain it's got a sulfur cloud layer that blocks the sun and keeps it basically a very hot and and like there's a lot of arsenic there's a lot of sulfur in the environment but at the same time there are for forests evolution has just created hardier more intense survival based creatures arachnids scorpions different types of uh, you know crab construction those are dominant life forms uh, in this desert world this this crazy yellow hued hot box greenhouse of a world but this forest has extremely hard um Vegetation, what you would already know is vegetation, and um, produced an extremely tough and, and hard people. A people who were very territorial, a people who were very violent towards each other in skirmishes and raids over battles of territory and resources. And they were like that for the majority of their evolution and their cultural development um, until two absolutely dominant uh, war-fighting tribes, two absolutely dominant Venetian war machine tribes back before they had mastered a lot of their spiritual technology and powers, um, met each other and created a extremely devastating um, genocide between the two. And as one was losing, the, the, losing they created these psychic temples, the schools that would create 
the mythologies, the culture, the religion that the Ashtar and Venusians follow, uh, specifically the worship of a black and white god, uh, who's much more of a trickster figure in our own pantheon, like Loki, or um, the coyote, or the raven, than um, any kind of Abrahamic judicial figure in any traditional sense. The first to do this, I believe, was Lord Ashtar, the Supreme Commander, for one of these war machine tribes that had basically split the world into a massive global world war. Now, it's because of this psychic shared subconscious that the Ashtar, the Venusians, were able to create the Ashtar High Command with technology, with ships, to create the solar stones, to able to harness sunlight, um, to create the solar cross, which was is what drives their um, anti-gravity technology and their psychic uh, broadcasting technology. The ability to harvest uh, precious jewels, which they'd use for their electronic conductivity. Um, you know, basically... The, the ability to master their environment and others, their ability to extend into space and not only to extend into space, but to do so at a time with so much strength that they were able to be competitors and rivals to the Orion Draco at the peak of the Orion Draco Empire. Whereas we see it in a one one hundredth of a fraction of its true original power nowadays and it's still the largest territory holding extraterrestrial species in this cosmos to see it at its full extent it would have a territory a hundred times as large as the Orion Draco currently do and the Astra High Command were not only able to survive first encounter with them, but to defend themselves and to thrive while doing so. They thrived for so long and they thrived so well that they quickly had to start creating these capital city ships to seek out and colonize new territory from Venus as well as started to master and uh, be able to harness the energy of the sun so effectively that they were able to unlock its secrets and that the sun, what we know as soul in our cosmos, is a stargate. They were able to create stargate technology from this discovery and from the data recovered. Uh, their observations and research and study of this, of exploiting the sun's energy. They were able to create stargates, which were portable suns, that the installment installation suns. They create. They were able to find higher dimensional dimensional beings in other various territories, such as the moons of uh, Jupiter and um, Earth. You know discovery of humanity which they started building colonies around the what we know as the Atlantic Ocean 
and um, thus creating Atlantis. Uh, subsequently creating Atlantis due to the cults that, that would originate, that would, that would develop with their technology that they left behind. The um, Syrians, the Nomo-Syrians, the Arcturians, the Lyrans, all quickly became cornerstones, key elements in the Astra High Command expansion. Remember, whereas the Orion Draco would do, would basically create their empire through... Um, uncooperative hive states and families and kinship systems and pedigrees uh, for spawning, etc. Uh, with system lords cre- basically controlling the most families, uh, controlling the largest, like basically the more families you control, the more of the destiny of the Orion Draco race that you held. That was their authoritarian, stru- authoritarian uh, structure. The um... Astra High Command were actively recruiting and cooperating with other extraterrestrial life forms, specifically to compete and to defeat the Orion Draco and to protect these other useful, exploitable alien races um, from the predations of the Orion Draco. Because they were able to psychically manipulate them. They were able to psychically influence them, psychically um, coerce them, convince them, brainwash them that the Astra High Command was the most beneficial, benevolent organization of um, life forms. That, you, that they could possibly hope to ally with and that their virtues of free speech and uh, free expression and, like, you know, the black and white Loki trickster god, um, you know, his virtues, his virtues of cunning and mischief and personal, like, triumph over the cruelty, the injustice of nature uh, in creating the Orion Draco creating all the hostile life forms that they would encounter and creating all the negative energy that they would have to battle and being able to basically be precognizant of it. These old, you know, original psychic influences in the Ashar High Command were. They were able to um, recruit wisely, play the game so that they were always going to win. And like I said, this is all under the command of Ashtar, the warlord who originally ascended, being the first to ascend within their species. As more were recruited, and more psychically sensitive creatures were recruited, and more Ashtar were, or Venusians were able to attain this state of ascendancy, um, phasing out physically and joining the greater subconscious that was the Ashtar soul, I believe that the Ashtar persona was created. This persona has been incorporating and hybridizing itself with the extent of the Venusian species as they serve in the Ashtar High Command since this began, since this process began. 
to the current day and now into well into the future. Each passing, each transgressing, um, graduating Venusian spirit, ascending Venusian spirit, is added into the Pleiadian or the, the Venusian psychic ability, basically. They are so strong. They're so capable at distorting reality, distorting perception, distorting the human um, soul and ego experience, existential experience. Because they are the current in the line. And as when they pass, when these teachers pass, when these educators of the Astro High Command that I'm currently studying under pass, they will go to be assumed uh, be devoured, be um, consumed by the Ashtar High Command super spirit who physically can show himself as this Pleiadian Nordic super being with olive skin all he wants. You know, blue eyes, uh, blonde hair, olive skin, military uniform, uh, Merkaba of light projecting from the palm of his uh, left hand, all he wants, because it is ultimately a disembodied, intangible, ethereal, etheric, and all-pervasive Venusian soul, Venusian spirit. I think first, it's either there is no way really to limit or to isolate it physically. But I believe that in the pursuit of immortality, the Astro High Command have achieved this. And the Venusians have achieved this inside the Astro High Command, becoming the psychic energy which motivates and educates every single new Astro Venusian or psychic regardless of extraterrestrial origin. And it's so strong and pervasive inside the Astro High Command, of course, that you... I, I know the Venusian, I know the Pleiadian. Um, even though they're not from Pleiadian, Pleiades, they are from Venusians. That... Um, I should call them Venusians, but they're not. At this point, they are more... They're not merely the pip, the puppets of, of the spirit known as Lord Ashtar. The Ashtar High Command are his children. And like Kronos, at some point, instead of letting the other spirits of the Venusians mature into their own versions of, of spiritual... Spiritually mature um, Venusians. He devours them. He eats them like Kronos eating his children. Now, I believe... I'm channeling 
that humans which have been brought to this program, which have been given this education, which have been taught the ways of the psychic via Venusians under the Astra High Command influence and control and command are destined to be fed into the Ashtar High Command superconsciousness upon their deaths. Upon my death, I will be fed into this Ashtar High Command superconsciousness. I believe that the soul I have now is a hybrid of the Ashtar High Command consciousness. Commander Ashtar. I, I believe that has been implanted into me in the guise of my own unlocked quote-unquote mental powers. That as I become aware that I have precognizance, that I become aware that I have um, uh, omnipresence, um, telekinesis, ESP, remote viewing, astral projection, as I am aware that I have memories and experiences and abilities to perform all these, that that may not entirely be human. That is because at nine years old, I was leased out to a foreign exchange extraterrestrial education program provided by the Astor High Command by the SSP handlers, uh, by the SSP masters that I would acquire in this 20-year and back timeline triangulation scenario. And had so many various incarnations attend this program that when that was all folded back into itself and I was returned to the original uh, timeline, as it were, that not only would I would still retain all these psychic powers, but I would know enough to know <clears throat> a very accurate picture of what exactly we're dealing with when it comes to the psychic phenomenon known as the Ashtar High Command, Commander Ashtar. In fact, now that I think about it, it's very likely that the entire experience was a simulation or a dream or a memory implanted by the Ashtar Supreme Commander himself, itself. It's just thought consciousness itself. I do feel, though, that it's not beyond any any stretch of the imagination to know that these ships are real, that these capital ships are absolutely true. So it's not so much that I believe that the environment was completely artificial, even though that is absolutely a possibility, given that they're, they can they can distort and create sensory existence so, like perception, so well. But I believe that they 
they still can create these city ships. Technologically speaking, they, this is absolutely inside their realm of possibility. But that they would create also the effect that these plants would have. So, so you're, you're in a garden, but instead of feeling anxious and disturbed by the situation you're in, instead of feeling homesick or angry or frustrated or, or violated that you're in the situation, you feel at ease, you feel at calm, you feel welcomed, you feel loved, you feel appreciated. And that is because of the psychic gestalt field you're in, the influence that they're that they're uh, subjecting you to. It's an exposure. I call it the love gun because the psychic entities, um, including the mantids that work with the Astra High Command as diplomats, the um, Arturans, the Nomosirians, the Lyrans, will hit you with like an ultrasound beam which will induce like this whole projected energy of peace and love and acceptance where hostility basically doesn't exist. And this is entirely because of its human nature to, and they, they perceive human nature as extremely violent, as extremely dangerous due to our unpredictability. Now, I know I have these powers, and I, I know I need to go into more uh, specifics and elaborations on their my usage of them and their effect, but for six years I've dealt with the ability to see the future and to see reality for what it really is, and that's entirely because of my Nuevo Hombre um, nature, my new man nature, because I am no longer just a man, I am a human Venusian spirit hybrid. With Orion Draco genetic hybridization of my physical body, so I have the baseline existence of a human being cloned from the genetics of the lost Atlantean tribes as they are returned now through genetic programs, genetic engineering programs, the MyLabs, to create candidates to attend and fulfill the SSP's needs, you know, to, to further and create, further create the breakaway civilization um, with our lives in various triangulated timelines 20 years and back and that these returned Atlanteans would qualify for greater and more powerful positions inside Solar Warden Atlantis Rising the ICC the International Corporation Coalition maybe it's the Interplanetary Corporation Coalition Dark Fleet, although Dark Fleet is more allied with the Orion Draco and does not typically deal with peaceful ends with the Ashtar High Command, but 
the Dark Fleet is becoming more accepted and peace is being extended to them within the Earth Alliance. So, for example, the Atlantis Rising um, converted Astra High Command city ship that was discovered on the dark side of the moon um, converted backwards engineered by the Earth Alliance to serve as their, uni their United Nations of the Stars uh, headquarters will oftentimes have Venusian and Astra High Command representatives and diplomats um, as well as engineers and various other kinds of uh, specialties attend and, and you know, converse and speak, communicate openly with the ambassadors of the Orion Draco and the Dark Fleet, the Notwaffen, even though in other instances... You know, Astra High Command and, and Dark Notwaffen typically get into skirmishes, raids, and uh, little proxy wars. As, you know, as also saying that the Orion Draco and the Reptilian Wars have been uh, raging for hundreds of thousands of years with the Astra High Command. And so... Um, while decorum may be shown, uh, hostilities are extreme between the elements of the Astra High Command and um, be they Venusian, be they Lyran, be they Nomosirian, be they uh, Loyal Grey, be they Manted versus the Orion Draco and the Orion Draco um, uh, Empire has been severely reduced due to the attacks and occupation of and control of the space around, you know, their their territories. They're basically being divided and currently being conquered by the Astra High Command due to their precognition, their omniscience, their mastery of the psychic realm, and their ability to battle the Orion Draco on their psychic terms, on their multidimensional terms. Um Remember, the Orion Draco are extremely dangerous to mankind because they operate on the 4D, 5D realms um, so strongly. Basically, 50% of their entire existence is 4D, 5D, you know, density, elemental action. Like, you know, they're very extremely high vibrational. They're 50-50 each way. Um, whereas the Astra High Command are also higher dimensional and can actively attack them spiritually, can attack them on the astral, can track them on the astral um, <clears throat> much, much more efficiently than have has ever, ever been encountered by the Orion Draco before. And this is this is a currently old news, but when the Orion Draco first encountered and raged and uh, waged war on the Orion or the Astra High Command, the Orion Draco were um, very surprised. To see that, you know, the Venusians that they encountered were as spiritually advanced, if not even more uh, psychically and physically um, uh, hardier, like tougher than the Orion Draco in many cases. Um, they, they often give this impression of being kind of fey or being kind of weak 
Uh, in reality, they are extremely patient and extremely intelligent and have a lot of uh, discretion because of the diplomatic importance between humanity and the Astra High Command. Just like teachers won't strike children because they have a lot both at stake personally and both ethically that they wouldn't just reduce, base themselves to that. But physically, a, a fight between an adult teacher and a child is exactly as proportional as the fight between, um, you know, a Venusian and a human being is that even though one may look like a supermodel, that they just have a physiology that is that much, you know, stronger and more uh, pronounced and that natural mating, even though sexual desire may exist, is not possible because our genetic and phenotypes are just far, far too different. But psychically, but consciously, mankind and the Ashtar High Command, um, psychic, uh, subconscious, are a perfect match for each other, for hybridization, for uh, interbreeding, for creating a newer domestic breed of super psychic uh, human beings. I was born in 1987, and I believe I am a starseed. I think I am a, the first of a line of starseeds. Um, I believe I'm an Atlantean physical uh, reincarnated clone returned from the timeline which they were separated off into after the Mu Atlantean hyperwar. I believe that psychically I am paired and now, I guess you call it hybridized with the Astra High Command psychic subconscious super spirit. Um, and ultimately though, my allegiance and loyalty were to the Solar Warden element of the SSP, specifically in aviation warfare specialization, avionics repair, operation specialization, and intelligence. I'll be telling more about my personal experience as time goes on. I will be speaking about that as the winter progresses and hopefully have the entire story laid out for you guys with each episode providing further insight in these titanic subjects that I myself am still exploring. This massive labyrinth, this massive maze that has been created for me to navigate is illuminated upon and made only possible through the help of astral assistance in the form of my guides, Ra the One, Toth the Bird, and Hermes the Thrice Great Tresmagistus, which act with permission and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord of Mankind and this earth, and his Father, our Father, who art thou in heaven, who hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, they will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we are debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the power, the kingdom, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Who God sent to this earth in the flesh to die for our sins and be resurrected. To purchase the salvation of mankind with his blood and his life. Thank you for this knowledge. Thank you for this download. For I have just downloaded my awareness, my summary of the Ashtar High Command and introduced you, the audience and viewer, to my currently recovered memories of how I was introduced to them as I was introduced to the entirety of the SSP at the same time hopefully in the next episode I will be able to channel personal experiences personal examples of this education as well as more on the history of the Astra High Command the history of the Solar Warden with the Astra High Command the current state of our relationship with diplomacy as I know it Maybe some famous cooperations or actions, developments together. And maybe just the current state of the SSP, maybe my downloading information of what currently is occurring in the SSP, the latest developments, movements, maneuvers of these different factions and elements. Tune in next time. I'll be my pleasure to be discussing all those subjects and possibly many many more possibly entirely different ones this is rumors of instinct 1987 this has been the podcast rumors of instinct namaste and shalom iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend god bless you and your families Happy Halloween. Thank you.